Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Conn Report wherever you get your podcast. You're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Also on Tuesday, little programming notes, I'm still going to do the film review for Tuesday morning. And then Bram Weinstein, the voice of commanders, and I will do our live stream YouTube show on Tuesday night. Now, here's the pride of the Fortier household, Sam Fortier from the Washington Post. Shout out to Mrs. Sam Fortier, the mom. I know she listens. So. That's not Mrs. Sam Fortier. That would be my wife. <laughs> That's true. Mrs. Fortier. Sorry about that. Anyways, so let's get to something better. So how do you process this game? Because obviously a much better showing than last week, but a loss. What are you taking away from this? To me, the most notable thing was how frustrated everyone was. And I think that it that's easy to say. It sounds simple, right? Because obviously when you have a lead and you fumble it away and then you come down the field and, and score a pretty dramatic touchdown uh, and, and then lose in overtime, go three and out uh, and have not a great punt and, and allow you know them to sneak back in and kick that field goal, you're going to be frustrated. But I think that there are previous versions of this team that are just excited that they made that play, that are, that are pretty satisfied. It's kind of like... Um, overcoming that 18 point deficit against Denver or, or beating Arizona. Like there are times where you would have seen that locker room. I think last year be a little more upbeat, like, Hey, you know, we're in it. We, we made it, we made it happen. This team just expects more. And like, that sounds so squishy to say, but I think that it's really important. And I think that it starts with the quarterback because they believe that this offense can be better, that they can close out games. So when Ron comes in and he's, you know, he punched the, the uh, podium at one point cause he was upset and, Terry McLaurin called it bittersweet. People were trying to say like, hey, is it positive? Is it, are you taking away from this? And this is, I think, an incremental growth point for Sam. But the fact that everyone is frustrated to me was the most telling sign in the locker room. Well, I think, I think I'm glad you said that because the, the one thing I was going to ask, and you asked the the question to Ron Rivera because it was obvious when he came in, he was in the, in the post-game press. And I know like some people will see a quote and they'll say, oh, he's saying some moral victory. He didn't say that. I mean, he was like, of course, there's something you can build on. You have to, as a coach, always build on whatever happens in the game. However, in this one, I've never seen him more frustrated after a loss. And you asked him why he was seemingly so frustrated. And like you said, at one point, he pounds the podium mid-answer. So what, you know, what, you know, you asked him why, what did he say? I mean, he basically said, because we expect better. I mean, we, we believe that we can be a better football team than this. And there are obviously going to be growing points like last week against Buffalo for Sam Howell, but they believe that. And I think he might've been frustrated as well by how much they picked on Emmanuel Forbes and, and how he struggled today. We can dig into that later if you'd like, but it, it's just, it's just that people, it, it feels like the quarterback here now, it's, it's not a, Hey, everything's got to go right with Taylor or, you know, we need Carson to, to be, you know, just, you know, have everything go right for him as well. It's, Hey, this guy can succeed and we just need to, you know, push the envelope. So to me, that that's really what it's about. And I also think with, when you have a quarterback who plays like that, you as a coach, you probably figure you got to win. Do you know what I mean? Like you, he delivered like that. You've got to win. I mean, look, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, which is, you know, surprising and disappointing for the John Kime listeners, I'm sure. But <laughs> You know, going into this year, I want to say that they had scored over 30 offensive points 
with Scott Turner, maybe one time in 50 games, they've already done it twice with Eric Bieniemy. I mean, that, like when you are scoring 30 points as an offense, you should win, especially when the defense is supposed to be the strength right. of this team. Like that, I think that the defense today was very disappointing. Yeah. Um, I know that Jalen Hurts and that Eagles offense, especially with the tush push, like they're one of the best in the league for a reason. But still, as a defense, you got to demand better hey, than that. Listen, they're supposed to be one of the best defenses in the game. That's all. That's we talked about that. You guys listen to us talk about that. And they uh, they weren't necessarily talking about, it, but they know what the expectations were. And you know, this three straight games now, thirty or more. And I know last week Buffalo got away from them, et cetera. However, still, that's still the bottom line here, right? And so, like, they have to play better. But that's why I say go back to the quarterback. And again, when you play like that, you need to find a way to win. And, and they, they have not scored thirty or more points three times in a season since two thousand sixteen. Oh, so okay. I already you looked that up. I already looked that up. Shout out to media. But yes, but that is true because I had the same question. Like, did I, I think they did do it twice last year. Not offensive points. Oh, because offensive if, points. if you right, remember right, right. the offensive, upset against right. Philly, Kixie right. Two Hill right. grabbed that fumble. Right. Thank you very much. So yes, it's right. So that's the most. So good. There you go. There's my guy. But <laughs> but that is a, that is a sign. So that's where I think you see those signs of growth. And I think that's what you, to me, what you can take away from this, from a positive perspective is the quarterback's growth because that kid played ballsy. I mean, he, to me, he made smart decisions, sacked five times. You can't continue that. There's no way you can sustain. What's it now? 102 for the season, the pace. You can't sustain that, but he showed growth. He threw the ball away a little bit more. He uses legs in a better way. And part of his man coverage, you can get some open stuff, but man, he delivered the ball. And I've also felt Sam that they did a better job of creating some quick, decisive throws for him. I didn't realize we could say ballsy on the John Kyme yeah, report, but okay. That. That, yeah. That's great to know. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, look, I think that he still took five sacks. So the sacks are, right. are still a problem, but I mean, they overcame it with explosive plays and, and they overcame it with, with quicker decisions and shorter routes. And I think that really his timing was super impressive. And you saw that encapsulated on the touchdown to Jahan at the end. I think that he just played with a lot better anticipation and yeah, I, we'd have to go back and watch the film, obviously right. not to, not to sound <laughs> like a coach, <laughs> but, but, true. but like, you know, I, I remember thinking one or two of those sacks wasn't that bad right. that he was scrambling around and it was a zero yard loss or something like, you know, something like that. So, I mean, to me, he played with just a lot of anticipation, good timing, good ball placement today. And and so it was definitely a step forward, not turning the ball over at all. Um, after after last week, like Buffalo, like I think that's the thing, the resiliency. We've talked about that from him, even after, you know, bad quarters or, or bad throws or it, it's just it is it's impressive. So, you know, what stood out to me about him this week? And this is his, like you always like, how does somebody respond? I think we've gotten to know Sam well enough, not you, but Sam Howell, well enough to know how he would probably respond. But what stood out to me is every day we were in the open locker room, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, that kid was sitting in his locker. He's not hiding from stuff. People would come up to him. You go up to him, you just chat a little bit, nothing, nothing big, but you know, it could be whatever. He was the same guy he was before the Buffalo game. And I just think I just that stuck with me like this kid is approaching it the same way. He's not he wasn't rattled by what happened. He didn't hide from what happened. I just think that that I think that's where you have to if you're a fan here, that's a good thing. I remember having a conversation with with Terry at one point about, you know, obviously he has a reputation for being underrated and everybody calls him underrated. And I actually wrote a story earlier this year as a shameless self-promotion that he's actually not underrated. (laughs) He's not underrated anymore, like by Madden rating or contract or, you know, and he's a top 100 player voted by his peers. Now, anyway, he was talking about how sometimes it's people confuse someone who's internally motivated for not caring. Like if you go back to Trevor Lawrence before the draft and he said, 
I'm not motivated by haters or doubters. Um, people kind of got on him. They said, did they care enough? I see Sam as a very similar guy. And today in the, in the post-game press conference, someone said, you know, did you feel like you personally had anything to prove or that you overcame doubts that you could respond like this? And he said, not really. Like, like right. that steady heartbeat, like he's just going to go out and play the best that he can. Like, it sounds cliche, but I, I really do believe that's how that kid operates. Oh, it definitely is. And, and that's a strength of his and it's why this kid has a shot. And then in addition to some of those shows, that throw to Dotson was boom, boom. That was decisive, man. And I love that kind of stuff, but like he came through, like he's getting hit at times. He's making throws. The one thing I also like about him, he's not afraid to point out what he needs to do better. And one of the things that Rivera talked about afterwards, the details, right. And that last, the throw to, to Terry McLaurin, the, the one that was along the sidelines where may or may not have been in, I think if they had ruled him in initially, it probably stays that way. But even on that one, it's like he said, he needed to get rid of the ball a little bit quicker because they knew the coverage. And they said, that's part of the details, but he understands that. And that's where I like and respect about him is that he's not, you know, he could have sat there and said, yeah, I did this, or I, you know, yeah, we were better. But he he said, it's there's no moral victories, and this is something that I could have done better. Yeah, there won't there won't be if he doesn't reach his ceiling, it will be because of other things right. than accountability or talent right. or or you know, it'll it'll be some of the other, you know, problems that just inherently you could have with size or mobility or or taking sacks and some of that stuff. But I thought today definitely he he got the ball out of his hand quicker and and definitely kept this offense on schedule, gave them a better chance. Do you feel differently about the offense now moving forward after this, or do you just kind of say, hey, this is another game? Yeah, you know, to me, we still got to wait and see. It's con- as as they've we heard last week, it's consistency. And you, I think you talked, you asked that with Ron. When are you going to know? Well, it's when you're consistent. So now you take this game. Do you show it Thursday night? And are you consistent with it? But that to me is when we'll know what they have. But what do you? What's your takeaway from the offense moving forward? Yeah, I I mean. I don't think that we learned anything particularly new in terms of what this offense could be. Like I still, and, and again, maybe that changes when I rewatch it, but I mean, Sam still is the playmaker who takes some sacks that we knew he was. The line is still, I thought they had a good day. It seemed like he had some really good pockets to throw out of. Um, I think maybe the one thing you take away from this is, is they did. I think they did a little bit job a better job of manufacturing touches and in, in putting guys in space to get yards for yeah. catch Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel on the first play of, of that drive, the two minute drive at the end, getting him with the bubble, like yards after catch, getting guys in space. That's what this offense is about. It's quick throws. And I know you've tweeted some stats about how they haven't been getting yards after the catch. So I thought they did a better job of that. So, so maybe what we learned about this offense is how they put them in better positions and, and how they maximize their talents more. But in terms of, what does this look like? What are they? How are they going to win? I, I think they just did a little bit better job executing. That's a fair point. And I also think I give credit to Biennemi for basically taking – now, every game is different. So what looked like this this week, you're going to face a different defense the next week, and they do different things, so you attack them differently. But I felt like they did a good job giving him quicker throws – and, and just putting him in better position to get rid of the ball and, and taking that out of his hands a little bit, saying, here, here's your read, go. Here it is, go. And I think that got him into a little bit of a rhythm. Now, let's flip it on the other side defensively because, but first, by the way, on the line, I agree, they gave him better pockets. I do think Andrew Wiley had some tough moments again. But, 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 but that's, gave, that's normal. That's, that's what we know what this right. offense that's is exactly going to be. And they still got 31 with him having some of those moments. And the, But you're right, the pockets, by and large, were better when they blitzed, a little bit tougher defensively. What's the level of concern for you? I mean, the the lack of consistent pressure was concerning. And and really mostly, I mean, 
I, I think that the way they attacked Emmanuel Forbes yeah, with with, with Devontae Smith and, and A.J. Brown mostly was the number one concern. I mean, he got him on the double move. You know, I think we were just talking with, with Nikki Javala, like – I think the four biggest plays they allowed were all on Emmanuel Forbes. And I know that, you know, the, the whole shot against, I think it was cover two down the yeah. sideline, you know, Emmanuel's not necessarily technically in coverage there, but he had to sink deeper. Bit, yeah. Yeah. So to me, I mean, and, and Ron mentioned it, I think that was part of his frustration is he said in the same way that Sam needed to bounce back from a tough game last week to this week, Emmanuel's going to have to bounce back on Thursday night right. because that, that was, that was a tough, tough performance. And we talked about this with coaches on Friday and like, what is going on with him? And so what is it he needs to do? And they, and I think Rivera kind of pointed out afterwards, he mentioned discipline and his details and, and being consistent with your eyes and all that. And Forbes talked about that too, is that, you know, how would you assess for him after four games? I mean, there are some of the things that we anticipated, like the, like the aggressiveness on, the the fake bubble right. where he jumps up you know that's gonna happen and and then you know brown burns him deep like you know that's gonna happen and i would say that there are moments like the denver pick where the guy runs the wrong route and emmanuel runs the right route because he knows hey right. like it, this situation russ is trying to get him going i believe it was third down like he's gonna run an inbreaker so he jumps it and gets the pick but in this situation it burns him so but today he just got burned too much by a disciplined offense that had a great game plan for him and um, you know, he was still jawing with, with Brown and, and kind of going back and forth. And I mean, that's a, it's a tough thing to do on a day like today, because I think that he honestly could have gotten taken advantage of more. Yeah. There was a play yeah. where he was in, he was trailing, I think it was AJ Brown and Jalen Hurst just missed him, just didn't throw it for whatever reason. And so I think it could have been worse. And so to me today was certainly the roughest day. I don't expect that from him going forward, but he's obviously going to bounce back and, and find the right balance between aggression and playing his assignment. one of the things for him in college, I felt like he was a smart corner. So he was a studier and all that. So I think the ability to learn is there. I don't think it's about that. I do think he like, and even Rivera said, he's basically got to go through things. And I think going through things will probably get to where they want it to be as far as what they're preaching with discipline, because that he he's mentioned that a couple of times with him. So, and it's funny, Sam, because when I look at the defense overall, like, if he plays a better game, this is different, but he didn't. And so you can't say that, but like the rest of the defense, how did you feel they did with that, you know, overall? Yeah. I mean, the rest of the defense it's hard without watching the film. And I know that. So, but it's like, there's so much focus on Emmanuel. It was, well, know, I mean, he allowed like the, I know, no, no, understandably, right, right, right. but that's what I'm wondering. Like, no, I, cause I'm like, you know, I'm thinking in my own head, how well did the rest of the defense do? Or was it just about that? I mean, anytime that a game happens like that, you allow 34 points. It's, it's got to be bigger than that. Um, although they were obviously put in a really difficult position in overtime by the punt. Um, but I, th I think there just has to be more pressure. And I think particularly on the first drive, the run defense has to be better. They were getting gashed, um, particularly up the middle. DeAndre Swift, I know he's a super quick guy. And I know this is probably maybe the best offensive line in the league. Um, certainly one of the top two or supposed three. to be one of the best defensive lines. But yeah, exactly. And, and I thought, you know, um, I know Chase had a sack and, and a pressure as well, but particularly up the middle, I, you know, and, and I think Duran had a good pressure, but I, you know, they, they weren't popping in the same way as we've seen them pop in the first two games. So I think those two definitely, you know, that line in general, you just, you need more out of them if that's going to be the anchor point of this defense. And the other thing I wonder is those guys play a lot of snaps, you know, this do they is really, need a longer rotation. Do they need a better, do they need a better rotation? 
Yeah, I mean, that's the big question. And, you know, F.A. Obata, I think is his absence is is certainly missed as a guy that can play, you know, he can play all the way outside. He can play down to the one technique, you know, like they need, I think, a guy with that versatility to come back in and he's eligible to come back off IR. But Ron said, you know, they don't anticipate uh, making any moves unless they need to. So uh, do they need to? I think you, I think you could, I mean, Abdullah Anderson, they can easily do something there. They they need to get FA Obata back. If he's ready, you're going to bring him back. And so if the question would be with Federer and Mathis, what did they do with him? And so that's, but I think that going forward, they have to play that way. They have to play better every game, but I do worry about the snaps a little bit. And then again, Emmanuel Forbes, you've got to improve. So last thing, would you have gone for two? So Yes. I mean, here, well, here's the thing. It's complicated because in a vacuum, yes, I think that the analytics would say to go for it, especially, you know, when you're on the road, Ron has talked about that being a philosophical approach. He did it in New York, I think 2020 or 2021. He was like on the road. You got to you got to go for it. I, I would say like being aggressive. And if you feel like you have a play call that you like, um, I, I'm just in favor of making the aggressive decision, particularly against a team you know can grind it out against you that that's run the ball very successfully, that can hit downfield shots. I just think that if you're the underdog and you and you score, like you got to take a shot. All that said, I think that they made the right move not going for it because Ron explained in the post game presser like the guys were gas, they were hurting. And that some players a, said that too. Right, right. And the players in the locker room said, you know, like that that was a really difficult drive. You know, they're in in pretty good shape after you know a tough training camp with EB, but. Uh, if that's what Ron Rivera is seeing on the sideline and that's the explanation, like I'm going to defer to him there on that. Yeah. And I, and I kind of fall on that part as well. And the other thing is if Terry McLaurin has a half inch size, smaller shoe, then they're in position to get, to get, to get a field goal possibly down the road, but, but you can't play like that. But I do agree. I think had they had a timeout to regroup, I, and if they call a timeout before then, maybe I'd feel a little bit differently because you can sit, now you can sit there and think about it. Here, you're going to have to line up and go. And I don't know that they're at that point where they can do that after running a, as much as they did over those last couple plays in particular. So, you know, that's... Well, I was I was just going to say, I think that... I think Philly, I don't, it was the touchdown, I think, where they took the lead. But, and, and they got a penalty. I don't remember what the penalty was, but they got a penalty. So they they the two point conversion went from the two to the one and they went for it and they got it on a short run. And those, those are the moments to me that separate teams and that aggression. When you get that moment, you know, when you get that one yard to go for it, like obviously the commanders didn't have that um, at the end of regulation, but it just, those stick out to me because then when you're Philly and you kick a field goal, now you're up by a full touchdown instead of six. And that ends up being a huge you know point in this game. So I, I actually like what Washington did, you know, on fourth down on the first, for, on the first drive going for it like they're being aggressive yeah, that was a very that yes yeah. and like they're like they are showing a lot of tendencies that, that i like in terms of being aggressive taking shots you know putting this team in position to win but at the very end there if, if you see something different it, it, particularly you know with your guys being gassed like okay i, I get why you dial it back well, I, last thing two minute the two minute drives i want to bring this up because the two minute drives have been really really good mm-hmm. how and this is something they also talked a lot about What's your insight? I know you were writing a lot about that. So what's your insight into those situations for them? Yeah, it's funny because like everybody talks about how much they practiced it and and they say that they've practiced two minute situations a lot more than last year. And you're seeing the Christmas, you're seeing the confidence. Like I was talking to left guard Sadiq Charles and he was like, I I knew we were going to score. I knew we were going to score. And that's easy for a player to say. And he was like, he was like, I knew we were going to win up until the point where we didn't. And that like, that sounds a little trite 
right? It sounds like, oh, of course he was going to say that. But it's just, I mean, you can tell me differently, but that's a confidence I have not seen from these guys. Like in the locker room, I used... It's just, it's very apparent that these guys feel differently about this offense. And like, it just sticks out. It it does. And I think that permeates in other parts of it because we're even talking on the Friday, the keys and prediction podcast, where I'm like, they felt like a relaxed, confident bunch during the week. Like they knew they were better than what they showed. It wasn't a, oh my gosh, is this who we are? It's like, that's not who we are. We're this. And so I think that confidence is there in many, many ways. So yeah, I think there's, that's why like the locker, remember the locker room were up here in Philly last year and then they win the game and it's like, it's just blaring. They're going crazy. Like they had won a title. This felt like they lost a playoff game today. That's how they, that's how it seemed like they took it. Yeah. And, and if, and if that, I think that it's going to be very important how they play over the next two or three games, because they had two games against not great teams. And you know, even though they didn't play their best, they won. They played two games against really good teams, got blown out one and was competitive and won. So if they play Chicago, Atlanta, those are teams that they should be. And, and I think that if they slip again, you know, I think that you'll see them feel a little differently. But right now, this group feels confident that they should be able to beat teams, even like Philly. And it's really going to depend. I think that whether or not they sustain that confidence is going to depend on whether they can actually get it done when they need to get it done and put together a win. I think that's right, because this is why you don't know, like, whether or not you build off this, we're not going to find out for a couple more weeks to see what team did you become after this game. So that's why the moral victory stuff isn't really relevant, but the building off it is. And so if you do build off it, then you can look back at this and say, you know what? We saw that confidence here and it translated here. This is going to be kind of random, but like I actually think back to that game in Houston last year where they won, I think it was like 23 to 10, but they never pulled away right. and they were clearly you know, it's easy, you know, at the time going in, I think that everybody thought they're clearly a better team than Houston. Houston had, you know, the tanking allegations, things like that. And, and in that locker room that people weren't mad, they were like, we're better than that, but you know, they were, they were okay. And I think that this team, if they went out and beat that last year's Houston team, 23 to 10, I think they'd be really upset. I think they'd be more upset. I, I agree with that. So anyway, I told Sam's mom, I'd get him home before curfew. So we're going to run Sam. Why don't you tell them where they can find your <laughs> Uh, you can find me on Twitter at SAM, the number four TR, SAM, the number four TR in the Washington Post. Um, yeah. There you, there you go. Sam Forde, follow him, does a great job. That's it from here. Thank you very much for tuning in. I'll be back on Tuesday morning with the film review, Tuesday night live stream, 730 Eastern time with Bram Weinstein, the voice of the commanders. Got a big game Thursday because you got to win that one. Talk to you next time.